Welcome to Fragmented, a software developer podcast where we talk about building good software and becoming better developers. My name's Don Felker. And I'm Kaushik Gopal. Welcome to the show. This episode of Fragmented is brought to you by AndroidJobs.io. On Android Jobs, you can post a job posting for free and also sign up to get weekly notification emails of new job postings. These job postings are worldwide, so any company around the world can post for free. However, I wanted to let you know about a couple of feature upgrades that we recently made to the site. Number one, you can now pay for a upgraded highlighted posts. And this will highlight your job post among all the other Android jobs that are out there. Number two, you can pay for a featured job posting that will highlight it as well as pin it to the top of the job board. Now, again, the free job postings are still available, so you can still post a job for free. But if you would like to kind of give it a little bit more flair, you can upgrade it as you'd like. Now, additionally, Every job posting on Android Jobs, including the free one, is now going to be a 90-day job posting. So please check it out when you have a chance. Sign up to get notified of new job postings. And thanks for listening and checking out the site. Again, that's androidjobs.io. Gosh, you could put out a pretty interesting tweet here about some stuff recently. And uh, I think it'd be kind of fun to talk about it today. Yeah, yeah. This, I mean, in all fairness, there was another, this was always something that was brewing in my mind because recently I've been working on a lot of shell scripts just for work, you know, because there's a lot of some CI stuff that we needed to get going. And I was like, oh, I'd like to, you know, warm up and shift and start pulling out my old shell script foo. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And while doing that, this thought came to my head as well. But then this tweet sort of really, really put it in, you know, use the right words to convey what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. So I can maybe quickly talk about the tweet, right? So the tweet was, it was basically, hey, it's really sad how, and this is by Hillelogram, you know, you can add the tweet. I don't know what the person's real name is. So I'm just mm-hmm. going to roll with Hillelogram. It's really sad how inaccessible mobile programming is for even other software developers. You almost never hear of people writing a small mobile program for themselves, right? Technology with immense potential squandered, <laughs> you know? And that resonated a, a lot for me, especially as I found myself working with a lot of these shell scripts. Because I stepped back and I'm like, I have this MacBook that's pretty powerful, right? And if I want to whip up some simple shell script, I can just do that and within with almost no friction have a really interesting thing going on for example say i wanted to run a cron script that just had this shell script that every day you know pick found the weather from like the four regions around me and stored it into a file right you just take something as simple as that a use case i mean slightly uh, convoluted but whatever that is really easy to do you know i just have a shell script just throw in like a a bunch of libraries, hit curl, hit four or five curl calls, and you know I have that stored in a file. In about an hour, I can get up and running and have this really powerful thing running on my laptop, no problems, right? I don't have to create a project template for it. I don't have to pick like the right dependencies. I don't have to think about whether, hey, should I be using Jetpack Compose? Should I be using like something else? What version of my library am I using? None of that, right? Whip up a shell script, just throw some like throw some statements in there, have something interesting going, right? If I want to process a CSV file, right? 
it's so ridiculously easy for me to do that, right? On my MacBook. And this is the same MacBook that like, you know, my mom uses, my dad uses, that I use, right? It's all the same machine, but you know, as a developer, it's it's unlocked for me where I don't want to bother with a lot of these one-off, you know, use cases. Mm-hmm. And where like that tweet basically landed up being is essentially like if you use the Mac, right? Like there's the terminal app, or if you're a Windows user, there's PowerShell. I want something like that. I want something like that where I can open my phone because the phone is way more interesting. You know, I have this phone with me on me like almost 24, like 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. It has so many interesting sensors that can give useful information, right? Mm-hmm. I just want to open up my phone, write a bunch of Kotlin, throw it into an app in there and have that run, right? Just like a terminal script would. Yeah. So anyway, that's the background behind this. What are your thoughts? Like, you know, am I being crazy? Do you think that's valid? Have you felt similar sort of uh, yearnings? No, I have felt very similar yearnings. There's a lot of things that I would like to just automate on my own device. Just there's a lot of things that I would really love to automate on my my device. And it could be from, like you said, checking like simple weather data or even just just something that I can just it'll just run or maybe even like ask me a question or something like that and sure this can be an app or whatever but even just something to to query information or run it right there on on the device would be nice and to be honest to tell you the truth there's been a number of times when i've had a server and i need to get into a terminal environment because i need the terminal into the server so i need to like ssh into a server and i've got to go find some you know podunk ssh client on Google Play and then figure out how to use that. And it's usually, you know, a poor experience. But I really wish I could just open up a terminal app and just start hacking away like I would normally do on my Mac. And I always have felt like I wish that that was like just something that's missing. And I feel like this is Android and, you know, you can say even say iOS is like this weird walled garden where that's just cut off from you. And it's kind of a bummer. No, I mean, it's funny because I think, um, Chris Baines in this tweet thread, right? You know, he mentioned something similar, which is like, oh, what you're really looking for is something like what Apple did, like- uh, Shortcuts or whatever? Yeah, 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 yeah. Shortcuts, shortcuts, like, you know, that sounds pretty similar. And I do think it's similar. It's pretty, it's like as close as it gets with respect to what I was looking for, right? But it still is like a tad bit higher level, if you know what I mean, right? Because again, it is an app that sort of simulates all the scripts, but- I just want to drop like a quick and dirty shell script, right? This the same thing that I'm talking about, you know, a use case where, hey, I just want to monitor every day what time I wake up. Like, you know, say there's like an API that, you know, the gyroscope like detects that, you know, there's a lot of movement, you know, at five or six in the morning. I'm just going to presume that's when I woke up. I just want to log that on a file, you know, no fancy app, no visualizations. I just want that information dumped onto a file so that I can pull it up and then read it for myself nobody else. That isn't necessarily as easy to do. No, it's not easy at all. If you wanted to add something like this, A, either you have to build in, like if you if you were the developer for like the shortcuts app, you know, assuming hypothetically there was something like this for Android as well, you need to change a whole bunch of things inside this app in order to surface that as functionality, right? And I get it. I'm not saying like shortcuts is not useful. It's tremendously useful for folks who don't want to deal with, you know, programming, uh, and writing, like you know, developer-like scripts. But I think this is a more narrow audience that is 
has a huge need that's unmet, which is I just don't want to whip something up. You know, Kotlin is everywhere, right? Like you can, why can't we just have a terminal.app for the Android phone, throw in some Kotlin script and, you know, have interesting things work that way. Some others also asked, hey, you know, isn't this what IFTTT, like, you know, uh, you know, Nishfish uh, on Twitter asked the same thing. Isn't this similar to what IFTTT did? Yeah. IFTTT is similar to Zapier and a bunch of other tools, which is if this, then that, which is a pretty cool service in itself, by the way. So that that's definitely super useful. But again, I think that is similar, is more similar to the Apple Shortcuts app that is less similar to what I'm asking, which is the terminal app for macOS, right? Yeah, that's that's kind of the thing there is we want the terminal app, but it's almost, well, I guess, I guess I don't, I don't know the answer to this question. Maybe you do. I'm not someone who plays with a lot of different you know, open source ROMs for Android. Are there any Android ROMs out there that support this? And, and the reason why I ask that is because it seems like if this is going to run as an app, it's going to be an app that basically has to run as root on, on your device, right? So, cause I mean, that's, or you're gonna need to have some, be able to request root uh, or super user or SU, whatever from the terminal, like you do terminal on Mac. Is there any ROMs out there that do that? Or have you heard anything like this? I haven't heard of any ROMs necessarily that have done this, but you know, in the early days, again, Chris mentioned this, Chris Baines mentioned this, there used to be like the, this Python runtime app. I don't know if you remember this, it was SL4A. That's like the library. It's discontinued now. So, you know, unfortunately you can't use this, but that was sort of similar where you can have, you know, it's a Python runtime app, which means you can just drop Python scripts. This was a little before my time, I think. So I've not used it necessarily, but I just looking at that documentation and stuff, it, you know, it's super interesting. I think that's exactly closer to what I was looking for. But I think with the whole privacy angle now and the entire you know mobile phones are far you know there's far more people using mobile phones than there are like people using desktop computers and macbooks right uh, or you know any you know laptop computer that's able to run shell scripting so maybe i think it's currently the thought process from these phone makers like you know apple and google is you know we don't want to open that up because it's a can of worms that is hard to contain it's not imp- it's it's not impossible because again apple and windows and microsoft and everyone does this with <laughs> you know that's what i was gonna say they do it on the desktop i mean why if we're already doing this on the mac desktop you're already doing it on windows where i have access to a terminal and if i'm going to like like you'd said like they're worried about privacy so what's some of that privacy maybe you install an application and that application stores some files somewhere on the disk you don't want it to give access to that but if you have that same exact application installed on Mac, you can just go to where the files are stored and inspect those XML files or inspect whatever storage files it has. And yeah, can you edit them? Yeah, can you get yourself into a bad spot? Yeah, definitely. But it's there. I mean, you can shoot yourself in the foot if you'd like to. So, but they're hidden from the majority of regular users. You can't just go in and find the application files unless you know exactly where you're going and how to find them and how to edit them. And a lot of times some of them are even restricted to permissions on on there so i feel like this is possible but so it kind of makes me wonder maybe is the platform just not even mature enough but if we kind of rewind it back like what is android based on it's based on linux so it kind of already does have all of the tools in there that it needs and again this is at a high level i don't know the details of the exact 
you know, implementation of Linux things are, you know, based on, but it seems to me that there's enough smarts there at Google to, to kind of make something like this happen. And I'm wondering why it hasn't happened. I feel maybe it's, yeah, again, pure speculation. I do not have any information on this. My thinking is, you know, it's just evolves in a certain way that it's hard to unwind and go back to the uh, previous world, right? Because I think there's a lot of more regulation and things too, right? It's, you know, I imagine the biggest reason is security, right? Like that's the reason because they haven't figured out how to do it. You know, there is no, actually, now that I think about it, sorry, Chrome OS has a terminal app too, right? Yeah, they do. So, so who knows? Um, I suspect it's because the phone is so important and can hold a lot of really important critical information. You know, like what if there's someone who has the script that does something malicious and it just goes rampant and then the next thing you know, your entire life is up. They uploaded somewhere, yeah. Yeah. But I, again, the, all these arguments... Same thing happens on desktop. <laughs> exactly. Same thing applies to the desktop. Now, granted that there aren't as many people using the desktop, but, you know, I still, every time I do something dangerous or, you know, per- perceivably dangerous, I still have to pseudo in, right? Like, you know, at every point, I guess it's a niche audience that understands, okay, you know what? I'm taking the guardrails off. If I go flying off this mountain, then that's on me, <laughs> you know? Uh, and I wonder why that isn't possible today on mobile phones, right? Yeah, there's, uh, I don't know. A lot of it doesn't make sense to me. I think, I think you put it well that there's a lot of the, <laughs> they don't, it's not been designed for this. And so to kind of untangle the mess and not even a mess, untangle the security model, which been, has been implemented is probably no trivial manner whatsoever. Hmm. And the, but the one part that I have a hard time buying is going to be the, is that security model because, oh, we need to protect someone from something happening. But how do you do that on desktop? Like they might say, well, if an app is installed and it's malicious and it does something, okay, well, the same thing happens on the desktop. You install some random apps from, from shareware site. I'm like, same thing. Like, I feel like this, it kind of crosses both boundaries and maybe it's just because of the way that. Android is architected, you don't have access to it. But I, I have, my gut feeling says that there is a way to get access. There is a shell there somewhere. We just don't have access to it. Maybe it's, maybe ROM developers have access. Because why wouldn't they have access? You're developing a ROM, it's an operating system. Don't you need some type of shell to get in there? That's at least my idea. I mean, there's ADB shell too, right? But that's not the same again. It's not like you can run programs, at least to my knowledge, yeah, through they, ADB shell. Yeah, and there's other, you know, there's there's no cron tab that you can access, right? Mm, yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, so that's the, that's the other thing is there's a couple other tools that that need to be running in there is you know cron tab, and then you have the shell, and then or is it, you know, and what kind of shell is it? Is it going to be a you know bash? Is it Z shell? Is it can you install different shells? Like where's like, where's the happy medium? I think a very basic shell that's common, like if it was a bash shell, like I think that would solve ninety percent of the problems that that we're talking about. Mm. And I mean, the more I think about this too, right? We do have other devices that do this too, right? Like for example, Arduinos oh, yeah. are pretty much the same. Like you, that's what I'm looking for, right? Like if it isn't a, as friendly a programming language, but it's not that bad. Like, you know, they've- It works. Yeah. Had, yeah, they've had APIs. And if you like, you whip one up, by the way, there's this uh, really good studio.com, I think it's like this online learning course or like this online learning website. And there's this famous YouTuber 
whose name is Mark Grober, if I'm getting it correctly. He's ex-NASA scientist. Oh, yeah, does, yeah, yeah. He, he does a whole bunch of like engineering videos. Super fun to watch. Uh, so he's running this course. And in one of those courses, like, you know, he talks about Arduinos and, you know, how you can write programs for it and make it do cool stuff. That's the kind of thing, right? I was like, I want that for my phone. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a similar mindset. The other interesting point, though, is even with the Mac, right? I remember there was this whole thing about sandboxing. Uh, you know, when Mac OS, there was a newer version of Mac OS that came. Mm-hmm. And this is when people started to see this annoying thing where, like, for people who use MacBooks, it'll keep, like, asking permissions for everything, right? You're like, oh, layoff. You know, do you want to do this? Do you want to have access to this? Do you want to have access to your files directory, to your downloads directory? To mm-hmm. And I think that was them evolving more in the direction of let's contain things and make it safer but we still have terminal like you know we still (laughs) you know so it's possible like theoretically it's possible i think at this point the architecture has evolved so much that it's really hard and it has to be more deliberate and there isn't enough of an audience to do that which is probably why you know i don't think that'll happen anytime soon Maybe it'll happen in the future. Yeah, it's hard to say right now. It's um, it's just interesting that that kind of stuff doesn't exist. So, I mean, to kind of go to the next level here, it, what are are you doing anything or to kind of work around this, or is it kind of you just accepted the faith that this is just not possible, or what? I mean, yeah, pretty much the same thing. I've accepted the faith that this isn't possible on my phone, mm-hmm. but I've been messing along with some of the other IoT devices. I've actually I'm actually taking this course slash class that messes with our Duino stuff. I mean, also for other reasons, it's also another, It's it does other things. But I've resorted to just IoT, you know, mm-hmm. that's, you know, if I want interesting temperature sensor data, then I probably need to like connect, you know, like a Raspberry Pi or like an Arduino or something to a temperature sensor and then just throw that somewhere where it's interesting, right? Effectively, that's, that's the route I have decided to go. Yeah. Because shortcuts, a lot of these things are just, I actually find it more harder to use, mostly because I think I'm a Luddite on that (laughs) aspect. Like I was like, ah, this is not a programming language. And just trying to understand the user interface confuses me even more. Yeah. Because it's like, wait, what are you trying to do again? And I can't snap out of just, no, use this as an app and then let shed the other expectations. So that's the route I've gone, which is not a very... Yeah, that's probably not the answer that you know, <laughs> any of us were hoping. Yeah, I, I mean, same thing over here. Like, I, there's, I've just accepted the fact that I can't do any shell scripting or anything on my device. It's, I almost see these Android and iOS devices as dummy terminals because the apps can be installed on them. It can use the resources. But other than that, you really are kind of locked out of anything. Like, you have a place to put some files, but... You can't really automate anything like that. Um, there is that, you know, if then that, and there's the shortcuts. So there's very basic automations. Uh, and beyond that, if I need some type of uh, automation, then a lot of the times I'll either resort to something on my computer that runs, or if I need it to run all the time independently, you know, you could resort to what you're doing with the Raspberry Pi or Arduino or whatever. Uh, or I might even just go to Zapier and set it up on like a recurring interval and say, hey, uh, every you know, once a day, go hit this API, this weather API, download it, save it into this Google spreadsheet, and then, you know, send me a text. And then it just runs every day. And then boom, I get a text. And actually I do a ton, I do a ton of automation through through Zapier just because it's it's just always on, it's connected. And uh, for the price, it's it's so cheap. 
Hmm. No, I know you have some of our fragmented integrations done through it, right? Yeah. It's, it's like magic. I just upload it somewhere and then I just walk away and somehow next day, everything just <laughs> shows up, yep. which is nice. Yeah, as soon as the, the everything's based on the episode published, as soon as that happens, the emails are getting sent off, blog posts are going out, Twitter's getting sent out, like all these things are scheduled. And I even do the same thing for uh, like video production stuff that I have. I have a video producer and in, I have a video production calendar schedule inside of Google Sheets. And then what I do in there is uh, every time a new row is added, I'll put in like, hey, here's where the raw files are. And when a new row is added and when a certain column has changed, I then attach an event to that in Zapier and say, hey, send an email to my producer saying, hey, there's new raw files files available. And then I grab all that column data, format a nice email message to him saying, hey, Dennis, my Don's uploaded a new video. Here's the title. Here's blah, blah, blah. Here's the raw files. And then when he's done, he just goes and drops a link into another column that's for the finished finalized files. The same thing happens and it emails me and sends me a text message say, hey, Dennis is done with the files. And like, I don't, not that I don't like talking to Dennis, but it just makes both of our lives a lot easier because he can be working at two in the morning and boom, get an email or something like that. And I'm saying for me, it's just easy. No, that, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Like Zapier is super powerful side tangent on that yeah how long did it take for you to write that kind of script or how to tweak that script right because the common question people ask is like well at a certain point done is it just easier for you to put a reminder on your phone to open up that google sheet and see what's up i actually don't think so but i, I just want to pose the question to play devil's advocate i'd probably say to set it up initially it took me 20 minutes <laughs> damn okay yeah so. if that like because i i know that it can connect to google sheets i know it can connect to a column event and so it's just like, all right, connect to Google, to Google Drive. Uh, anytime a new, you know, connect to this Google Sheet. Anytime a new row is added, event. Anytime this call, this particular column's changed, do X event, and that's it. And I can just literally point and click, and it's like Zapier's like magic. I, and this is this kind of goes. This is very tangential here, but anyone who's building a product, like if you're building a software product out there, and you want to have more people use it integrate with Zapier as soon as humanly possible. Like, cause you can now integrate with thousands of other services just through Zapier. So you can say, yeah, we have a Zapier integration, dude, boom. You've just integrated with most of the world. Oh, I see. I, I wasn't following initially, but you're saying it temporarily unlocks integrations with a whole bunch of other services. So if I want like a Slack integration or like a tweet integration or something that just effectively comes for free if you do that one zapier yeah so you build like maybe you you build the webhook infrastructure on your side or where you post you know changes are happening with to you know certain accounts it's basically you integrate directly with zapier to say hey here's you know maybe you built a project management software and a new task has been you know added to a project cool Someone can just say, hey, they can connect the project. Hey, when a new task is added, do something. And then it's just given all the task data that you send it. And then what they decide to do with it is what they decide to do with it. Do they take that data and send a text message? Do they send an email? Do they put it inside of an email campaign? Do they connect it to Salesforce? Like, like it just opens up. It's like a one-to-many floodgate of, of opportunity. Because then if someone's inside of your business, is like, well, hey, I want to know uh, anytime you know a new task is added, I want it to email bob and sales okay no problem yeah we'll just integrate with this over here we're not even going to build we're not going to write the custom code right now because we don't even know if it's going to be useful yet so let's just use zapier i like that I, I need to spend more time with zapier i i spent some time with if 
TTTT. Zapier, I think I tried it in the early days when, you know, it was coming up as a viable alternative. Um, I need to spend more time because I do see you doing like a lot of really cool things with Zapier. So like I won't give all, I won't give away all the details here, but uh, the original, uh, well, not the original, second or third incarnation of my job board was written completely with no code tools. Oh, no way. I didn't write a line of code. It ran that way for two and a half, three years until I moved it over to where it's at now, which is a hosted platform uh, by Job Boardly, which I don't own Job Boardly. It's by another guy named Jason Carnes. Um, and um, he's actually one of the hosts of the Remote Ruby podcast. Uh, anyway, I wrote that all with no code. I wrote like Webflow was the front end. And then I used Typeform for the form people could submit, which I could connect to Stripe. When you submitted that type, you know, when you submitted it, it added a new entry and, you know, you could be to Google Sheets or whatever, you know, Airtable, wherever you want to use. And then based upon that, um, I could connect that to Webflow. And so all of it was just like, pop, 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 pop. Now, did it work? Yes. Did I make money with it? Yes. The problem is, is when one of those APIs change, oh, good luck figuring out what the problem was. Like, I would not build a business on top of this. Like, it was just like, hey, does this work? And it worked for a couple of years. And then it started having problems. I'm like, all right, this is a pain in the butt. And I moved it off. No, I hear that. I hear that. Uh, that's one of the challenges. And we had an episode about Lambda functions too, right? And that's also part of the issue. Like Lambda functions are super powerful, but <laughs> you know, if if one of those intermediate pipes aren't working well, it is a nightmare, right? Because then you're just like, why am I not getting any water on the other side? Then you have to examine every single nook and corner. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what the thing is? It's like I can almost start if you have a lot, and this is gonna go back to Android, if you have a large Android application with tons of dagger, I feel like you can you can get in the same situation. Like, you're like, where the hell is this dependency coming from? Who's providing it? How did I get this version and not this other version? Why is there multiple versions? And you're just like, wow, I don't know. Like, you eventually hit this point of like this black box where these dependencies come out of. You're like, I don't even know. I will say this, right? I've noticed some folks that I worked with who are like complete pros at Dagger, right? And it's like a black magic art. With the dagger, there is compilation errors. So, like you know, that whole like all the non like error logs you see that comes like at co compilation time, it is at some point parsable. I will tell you, like if I've not I've not actively been working on Android development for like a few months, that thing looks foreign to me again. So, <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? What is happening? How is this wired up? So, I'm pretty much in the same boat today. Where if I get a dagger a dagger compilation error. I have more luck just backtracing every single step <laughs> that I did to see what broke it mm -hmm. than actually reading the error and trying to understand <laughs> right. what dependencies busted and trying to go and fix how that dependency is provided. Yeah. This, I mean, this will definitely be a topic for another time with dependency injection. I've been looking a lot more closely because we have a bunch of cool things that we're doing with KMM, like Kotlin multi-platform okay. uh, mobile. And what a lot of people don't realize with KMM today is Dagger actually hasn't been ported. So you cannot use Dagger mm. on a KMM app, which can be, I mean, hey, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Dagger, people know, but that being said, it feels crazy. I don't think any big company, you know, can move today without having a solution there. And I know some people have suggested alternatives, like, of course, there's Coin or Codeine or whatever it is. But then there's that whole like, well, you know, is it dependency injection or is it not? If you don't care, great, you're solid. But if you, and there's another group of people who are like, forget dependency, don't even use a library, just go manual all the way, right? 
Yeah. I recently worked with a client that um, app was actually architected fairly well. I mean, things were separated nicely. If I needed to change something for them, it was the previous developer did a pretty good job. Like I was fairly impressed. And then I thought, I'm like, all right, cool. I need to get this other instance uh, over into this other thing here. Let me see where Dagger's at. And all of a sudden I realized, wait, I don't see any bindings anywhere. And I'm like, <laughs> wait a second. Like, and I went to the, you know, great old dependencies. I'm like, Dagger's not even in this project. And I was like, oh. I was like, whoa. I'm like, I haven't seen this in so long. And I'm like, oh, they got to use coin or something else. And I looked, no coin. I'm like, oh, this is 100% manual injection. And they're just replacing things at test time with different implementations. And I'm just like, and it works. And I mean, it worked well for that app. And I'm like, okay, hey, it works. I mean, it's not for everybody, but it worked for this one. Yeah, it's funny how we've come full circle. I almost am getting like flashbacks to previous episodes where we have said, hey, one of the first things we would do is add Dagger, right, to an Android application. And I wonder what has changed. I think maybe it's just today. That, and I mean, this goes to our evergreen topic of how there's too many things today on Android to learn slash understand. And I feel maybe that fatigue has like brought us to the point where we're like, whoa, 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 let's sit back and just simpler to just do everything manually forget all these libraries yeah it's uh, i mean we could we, there's a whole other episode on about all the complexities of where android development is headed it's not as easy as it used to be and i you know i put out a tweet about this recently and how frustrating it can be uh, and this is coming from someone who's got what 14 years of android experience like i can't really get any more experience unless you're on the android team earlier than me that's crazy. Like, and it's still, I still find things that I'm like blown away by. And it, I think the reason why I put that tweet out is because it, I think it's important for people to see that even though that if you've had lots of years of experience, like this stuff is still hard sometimes. It's still confusing, especially with all these new libraries and changes going on and, and so forth. It can be really, really difficult. This uh, dovetails back to that original tweet that we were saying, right? Because the original intent is because the, the way to do this is like, oh, I want to like get interesting information from the sensor data, build an app, right? Like uh, if this is just for me, build a one-off throwaway app that does it and then you're good to go, right? Yeah. Which sounds great in theory, but that's like, you know, the point you just made previously before, it's not that easy anymore. At least I don't feel it's that easy, right? And I, I don't know what your sentiments are, but if I said, hey, I'm just going to unless I'm really motivated by this use case, it's not that easy for me to just say, okay, I'm going to build off like a spin-off one app, just a simple app that's only on my phone, that's only ever going to live on my phone that tracks in interesting information. Yeah, I've done that and I do do it occasionally, but it's not the same, right? Like it's not that straightforward unless you have like a template Android app, which I know you maintained at one point, right? Yeah. And you're razor focused on the dependencies and what it does. It's not that easy anymore. And I don't know, like, I feel like a lot of people say, well, like, you know, just new, open up Android Studio, new project, throw it all into an activity. What's your problem, right? And I understand that sentiment, but there's still friction, you know? Mm -hmm. There is, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's some decisions you have to make. Are you, I mean, even simple ones. Are you going to use Jetpack Compose? Are you going to use XML? <laughs> Do you need to use a view model? Are you sure you need to use a view model? What about a fragment? And then you can get into this like crazy, analysis paralysis and you haven't even written a line of code and all of a sudden you're like well i don't okay well i guess i need to use coroutines you're like oh oh i, I then i need a view model because i need view model scope oh do i and then you're like in this should i be using global scope or view model scope i got an error here oh wait what is the error oh coroutines error never mind maybe i should oh i gotta upload now i gotta upgrade kotlin oh 
yeah, I, I go back and <laughs> I go back and forth to this thing, right? Because yeah. is that just a consequence of us having been through so many changes? Yes, it is. Like you know, if I was a new Android developer coming in today, would I be complaining about these things? It's the curse of just knowing too much. Like it's as you become more and more. Uh, experience in your field, you begin to realize how much you really don't know. That is true, isn't it? Like I, today I feel there's so much more. I feel there were moments in time in my career where I felt I knew way more than I do now. Oh <laughs> which yeah, which is odd. <laughs> a lot of times I'll sit in meetings and like I won't say a word, and it's like <laughs> I probably have some of the longest experience in these meetings, and I'm just like. I need to see what's going on here first before I really say anything. I got to get the whole picture before I can even open my mouth. Uh, yeah, I yeah, I wonder if that'll change. And again, this goes back to another topic we have talked about. It feels like all these companies, like not just Google, even like Apple, everyone today, everyone is so focused on adding new stuff, like new APIs, more APIs. Let me do this thing that helps you do this thing that you've always done before, but maybe a little better. And I would love it if these companies came, you know, to one Google I/O or WWDC or one of these things and said, "You know what? Here's we are going to talk to you about how you can remove a whole bunch of like useless stuff that we have really that at this point is deprecated that we've told you to use." I know, yeah. Here's a, a a conference talk literally just on how you can remove all the stuff that we told you to add, <laughs> you know? Cuz that's the truth. That's effectively what's happening. A lot of this stuff either gets deprecated or there's a different way to do it now. Mm -hmm. Why don't we talk and celebrate about that stuff, right? Like nothing gives me more joy today at work than seeing a PR like from a colleague where we're removing a whole bunch of things. When I see all red, yes. I'm like, ah, oh, feel so good. <laughs> yeah, like, all right, that's gone. There's uh, so much contextual weight just lifted when you get to do that. And I feel that might be tricky in today's world because we do incentivize different things, right? Like a lot of these companies incentivize newer releases, like flashy, shiny stuff. So yeah, how... How many times do you reward like that programmer who spent an entire day just removing a whole bunch of dead code, right? Mm -hmm. That ain't going on a, <laughs> but that, well, maybe it should. Like, you know, at least some companies, like, you know, I, I know we definitely keep a very close eye on these things and try to reward, you know, just people who, are, who do the house cleaning. Like, you know, it's like the thankless job, which is, hey, there's this useless thing that's just weighing us down. It complicates things. Mm -hmm. You know, someone spent like either three days or like the week just removing and removing all this old craft, that would make me so happy, you know? Yeah. Like, Something like that is, yes, thank you. You were doing the Lord's work. Yeah, because then all of a sudden you can open that file. I need to edit this thing or I need to persist this one value. And it's instead of a 25-step thing, it's like, oh, it's two steps now because we got rid of all that old stuff that we had to kind of work around all these weird edge cases. And, and since we don't use it anymore, we can avoid those edge cases. And now it's just easier. And if I need to, nothing's worse than looking at the code being like, I don't even understand how this works. Like it's so complicated. And being able to remove that complexity and shed it down to very simple layers being like, oh, okay. It's just kind of flows naturally. This is easy. I got it. Got it. No problem. One day. I feel inevitably we'll end up having a sort of complaining kind of <laughs> uh, sort of rant. But I feel that's true. You know, I I like to think there are earlier episodes where both you and I are super, you know, excited about Android development and we talk about these APIs and we're excited. And there is still some of that too, but I feel it's starting to become overwhelming. It is, it's very overwhelming. And I try to approach everything with a beginner mindset. And in fact, when I learned, when I learned to compose, 
I just went at it from a very beginner mindset saying, you know what? I've seen this before. We've had a few people on the podcast. We talked to about it, you know, Leland and a couple other folks on here. And yeah, yeah, we talked to all of them about it. And I, and even after all that, I said, you know what? I'm just going to come at this like I don't know a thing. And I'm just going to walk, I'm going to go buy a course and I'm going to watch it. And I'm just going to pretend like I didn't know it. And I'm going to see how they do it. And then when I did that, I just actually felt kind of free because then I was removing all of my existing, you know, you know, preconceived, um, you know, feelings about what we we're, what was being worked on instead of thinking like, oh, in XML, I did it this way. And, and that still pops up. But then what I was like, you know, what? I'm just watching this person build this app with Compose. Let me see how they're doing it. Oh, okay. So that's how you add text. Oh, that's how you put something in a column. Oh, that's how you do padding. Oh, all right. And then after that happened, then I was allowing myself to kind of draw the correlations between the two, if there were any at all. And it's, but it's still a hard thing to do. It's pretty powerful advice for life in general. I think, right? When you're approaching something new, sometimes it's good to just step back and take it all in. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so Don, when you start your new company, which is a terminal app for Android, I'll be your first purchaser. Hey, I'll even test beta that app. Hey. I'll, I'll do beta testing for you on that app. So. Nice. Appreciate that. If folks want to reach out to you, you know, when you have that terminal app ready again, get on it done. Um, how do people do this? Uh, they can reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram. It's at Don Felker. Of course, it'll be in the show notes. And if folks want to report some bugs to you, how do they do that? They can do that at Kaushikopal on Twitter. And yeah, or just hang in and start reading the content that you see on my website where I do other rants. Thank you all so much for listening. Don, I'll catch you in the next one. See ya. Once again, this episode is brought to you by AndroidJobs.io. Post a free job posting, sign up to get notified of those job postings, and you can also upgrade and make your job posting highlighted or pinned to the top or anything like that. And remember, all job postings are now 90 days long. So check it out, AndroidJobs.io. Thanks for listening. That's it for the show, folks. Fragmented is hosted by Don Felker and me, Kaushik Gopal. We edit and produce all the episodes here on Fragmented. You can find more Fragmented episodes at fragmentedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.